Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. There was a violinist that played about 45 minutes at, the New, at a New York subway station. And during that 45 minutes, four people stopped. He had a little basket in front of him. and He collected in 45 minutes $32. One person alone gave $20. So the rest, <laughs> the $12.17 that were collected was from the other individuals, people passing by. 45 minutes. That night, he played in one of the largest, most recognized stages of the world where people charged and the people that attended were charged at least $100 a ticket. That person's name is Joshua Bell. Same individual. He played in the subway system and people walked right by him. One person that acknowledged who he was was the one that gave the $20. Everybody else was casual. Little did they know that this was world-renowned violinist Joshua Bell. One thing that, that we can learn from this is that this person, Joshua Bell, when he was 17, made his Carnegie Hall debut at 17 years old in 1985 with the St. Louis Symphony. In 1990, at age 22, he went on the American-Russian Young Artist Orchestra tour. This man traveled around the world playing this instrument. So what does this tell us all here today? This tells us one thing, that the experiment proved that the extraordinary, when it's put in an ordinary position can often be overlooked how many of you sometimes you don't realize what you have until you lose it that's kind of a common phrase that many of us understand I'm, I'm just trying to bring it close to home you don't know what you have until you lose it but but the truth is some of us don't even realize what's in front of us we have world-renowned opportunity right in front of us but Joshua Bell this man who had played around the world was playing in a subway and people just casually walked by him. Sometimes your gift will not always be recognized in ordinary circumstances. Extraordinary gifts sometimes aren't recognizable in those circumstances. Now I say sometimes because there's sometimes where extraordinary pops among ordinary things. Is that true? There are moments where people won't always recognize your gifts as brilliant, as wonderful as they are. And even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't know it, I want you to know something. There's a gift that is within you that God put there and no one can take away. There's a gift in you that not even God will take away from you. There's gifts within given to us and that are irremovable, irrevocable even. There are gifts that are within you that God has given you 
that God won't even take away. Because what he has planted in you, let no one remove. I want to talk to you this morning a message that has been burning in my heart for the last two weeks. Are you ready? A message entitled, I see you. Now, some of you may have walked in here this morning and you don't know the genre. You're like in this situation with Joshua Bell. You don't know that genre, so you can't appreciate that. It's very difficult to appreciate God and the genre of the kingdom when you're not around that genre enough. You're going to have to get around the God genre to understand God. The kingdom of God is not something that ordinary people always understand. It is not the thing that most people that walk around in this world understand. The kingdom of God is reversed to the things of this world. The world says get everything you can. God says give as much as you can. The kingdom of this world says, man, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. Jesus and the kingdom of God says turn the other cheek. Those things don't make sense. But they're kingdom. Their kingdom. So allow me, uh, when you understand something, allow me to kind of bring this to the surface that when, when a person is not in the right atmosphere, people will walk by you and not recognize you. One of the most well-known violinists, people, most people didn't recognize him. He's traveled the world. Biggest stages, people didn't recognize him. You know why? Because in the subway, he was tolerated. But in the, in the orchestra, and, and among the orchestra and people that understood him, he was celebrated. So what am I saying to you? I'm telling you today, choose to stay and get yourself in an environment where you are celebrated, not tolerated. Some of y'all need to hear that. I'm not talking about evangelism. That's not what I'm talking about. Because not everybody's going to celebrate you. Right? Not everybody's going to celebrate you, but choose to stay where you are celebrated, not tolerated. Some of the biggest pains in our life happen because we're, we're, we allow ourselves to remain where we're tolerated, not celebrated. So what am I talking to you about today? I need you to know that you are more than a sound in life's subway. You need to know this. In our lives, we're always going to come across times where we're going to feel like we're being bombarded by life. Anybody ever felt bombarded by life lately? A lot of hands went up real quick. See, what, what, God, is doing, what God is going to do in you is greater than the, what the enemy has been doing to you. What God is going to do in you is always going to be bigger than what the enemy tries to do to you. He can only do so much. Come on, how many are grateful for that? You better watch it when you touch God's people. You better watch it when you go against God's people because those that go against God's people go against God. When you are truly walking with kingdom genre mentality, when you decided to say, God, I see you because he's already seen you. And we find ourselves in John chapter 4. Some of you know this passage, even by the picture you can tell. It was a lady sitting at the well. And some of you know the story. Some of you know how this story goes. There's a woman. She came to the well, and she's drawing from the well. 
in John chapter 4. And something significant takes place. I want you to say this with me. Say, I see you. We can often be the last to see our own giftings. Is that right? How many of you had somebody tell me tell you that you're something and you didn't buy it? You didn't you were like, yeah, we'll see. Maybe. Possibly. Some of you are like, no, I knew exactly what they were talking about. I'm pretty fantastic. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about I see you because somebody needs to hear that this morning. You feel invisible. You feel invisible. And I need you to know that God sees you. God sees you. The main thought of this sermon today has to do with getting personal with God because God sees you. See, God doesn't just see you so that you can be seen. God sees you so you can be clean. So you can be free. So you can be more than you can be by yourself. And many of us don't know who we are because we don't know whose we are. I get that, right? I've said that before and I'll continue to say it. And I truly believe that because it's hard to see what God is doing when we see ourselves through our own eyes. Is that good? Let's look at the portion of the story, John chapter 4. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. I don't have the text. uh, I just have the reference on the screen. John chapter 4. It's a little bit of a long text. But I want to read a few of those verses here today. About seven or eight verses maybe here. Let's look at it. John chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Uh Uh-oh. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria and he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. You know how it's funny how we all of a sudden encounter Jesus and we want to make excuses? Did you see that? If she encountered Jesus, she didn't understand. She went right to like background and race and all these things. How many know that Jesus cares more about the human race than any individual race? He does. I won't get into that too much, but the Samaritan woman said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How could you ask me for a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew. If you knew. You know what that tells me? When he comes out and he says, if you knew, you know what he says there? You don't see me. You don't see me. But you know what he goes on to say? He goes on to say, you, he goes on to say this, watch. Because in the verse he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. You know what he's saying? You don't see me, but I see you. You don't see me, but I see you. I know exactly where you are, right here, right now. If you would just, 
if you knew it is who it is that asks you for a drink, you would give me a drink, but then you would have said, okay, you respond back and give me living water because that's what I need. So you know what he's saying? You don't see me, but I see you. I know exactly what you've been through. And how do I know that? Well, he goes on to give her all her mail. He goes on to spill all the beans. How many of you are around your child one day and around some people, and your child says something, you're like, that's not for public knowledge. Right? But you, you laugh it off like you're doing right now because that awkward moment, you're like, <laughs> and you just go ahead and play. Please, just. You know what I'm talking about, parents? Like, I don't believe in spanking. No, I do. Spare the rasp of the child. I'm saying. Whatever. Just. Exit stage left. Stop talking. Walk away. <laughs> he begins to read her mail. He begins to read her mail. He begins to tell her everything she'd ever done wrong. And some of you are like, uh-oh. Like, is this that kind of service? Is God going to reveal these things? God already knows these things. But you know what he says to you? Look at me. I see you. I see you. Better yet, he knows you, and yet he chooses to see you. You with me? He knows exactly what you've been through. He knows, what you, he knows where you lack and where you fall short. That doesn't change the fact that he loves you. He sees you. Jesus over cultural norms. The culture says don't give her a drink because if, you drink, if she was to drink from your cup, then she would be considered ostracized by it. And then you would be ceremonially unclean if you drank from a, a jar of a woman who was known to be an adulterer. She had been divorced multiple times. You with me? She had been divorced multiple times in bad situations, right? And in all of this, he still says, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew. I'm here to tell somebody in this room right now and somebody watching online. He sees you. He sees you. No matter your circumstance, no matter your sin, no matter your shortcomings, I see you, he says. The culture norm, don't share a cup with this woman. But Jesus considered salvation more important than cultural norms. Is that right? So what you think is culturally acceptable, the kingdom of God may not understand. The culture that God is about is about restoring his people back to himself. Are you hearing me? That's what he cares about. So let me talk to you because the Samaritan woman, as she was there, there were some things that take, had taken place. And I want to share with you a couple things. Can I do that? Number one, I want to share with you something. There's a power that comes from personal testimony. In fact, Revelation tells us that they overcame whose day? They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of, of their testimony. 
The people of God, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb is not our responsibility. You realize that? The blood of the lamb is God's job. The word of our testimony is ours. And this woman, something happened when she encountered Jesus. The moment she realized that God sees her, something triggered in her life. Something had taken place that had never taken place before in her life. Watch this. Purpose. Purpose. Her life had meaning. Her life had hope. While everything else falls apart, God says, I see you. We opened the service this morning with a verse out of Proverbs that talked about how he is our strong tower. And for those of you that don't know, towers represent a lot of different things. And, and a few of those things are as follows. Number one, a, a tower is a place of strength. Two, it's a place to see the enemy afar off. Right? The, the, the tower is also a place of identity. Most people don't go to a tower in the middle of nowhere and stay in that tower. That tower is often placed close to home. It's identity. It's close to home. It's where I am. It's what I can connect with. But it also, like the walls of Jerusalem were, they were a place to identify where that place it's called home is. So when we look at towers, we look at people that run it. When, when, when Jesus uh, was, was trying to talk to this woman, he was trying to tell her, I see you. You don't have to run anymore. She didn't have her tower. She didn't have a place where she called secure. That's why she was jumping from relationship to relationship. Who's, who's hearing what I'm saying this morning? She was jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. And he's like, listen, you don't have a person problem. You have a heart problem. Because if you're not settled within yourself, no matter who you land with, you're going to ruin that relationship. That's how come God is about prepping the person before he's preparing a marriage. Before he prepares a relationship. He's preparing a person. And so if we look at how in our lives, it's amazing how when you encounter Jesus, something different happens. How many ever encountered Jesus and something very different happened in your life? You were like, I just, I didn't even know this was available to me. A peace. That doesn't mean that everything is peaceful. Is that right? doesn't mean everything's peaceful. Things get harder sometimes. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Tony, I really wish you would have told me that before I accepted Jesus. <laughs> or else I would have probably really, you know, thought this thing through. But no, listen, things get harder, but you get stronger. Things get harder, but you get stronger. And you start to see what you, listen, it's easier to fight when you know what you're fighting. And when you come to Christ, you now start to realize what you're fighting and you cannot fight with the right tools. Because most of us are just fighting like this in life. We fight, and that's why we hurt people. 
Because we're fighting with blind. We're just anything that comes close. What is that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it till I realize what it is. How many know that's not a way to live life? When you come to Christ, the scales come off your eyes and the, the blind have sight again. And now we can fight. Now the enemy doesn't change. He's still coming from directions. But guess what? I can see how he's coming at me. And I can fight appropriately. So what I'm saying is it'd be a lot easier to play dodgeball with, without a handkerchief on your eyes. Hello? How many ever played dodgeball when you were a kid? Raise your hand if you played dodgeball. Come on, Todd. I know you played dodgeball. You were the one throwing it really hard. You were like, let me see who I can knock over. I still have problems seeing from my right eye because of you, Todd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm too much older than him. Anyway. Can you imagine playing dodgeball blindfolded? It could be funny. It could be real funny. Raise your hand if you could be real funny. Jim, you want to play? We'll play. We'll play sometime, Jim. It could be real funny. But how many know that when you get smacked in the face with a rubber ball, the funniness starts to dim. <laughs> Some of you are like, I got a game for this afternoon with the kids now. Thanks, Pastor Tony. Go outside. Here's a handkerchief and a rubber ball. But isn't that what we're doing when we choose to not allow Christ to be the one that shows us the next thing in our life? We're just swinging at anything, throwing at anything. We don't see a thing. We don't see him. He sees us. So he's calling out to his people today. Understand who you are. And come to me. And when you come to him, you get a personal testimony how God changed your life. You know what that is? That is a tool to change someone around you. Your testimony was never meant to be kept to yourself. A testimony is something that is shared about your life. And so this woman encountered Jesus. And if you look at verse 39, turn with me to verse 39. Let's look over at verse 39. It says, something very interesting happened. So for some of you that don't know, this storyline in the background behind the woman at the well, she came to the well when it was very, very hot. Some uh, scholars estimate somewhere between 110, 120 degrees in the noon hour. What is, she, what is she doing pulling water out of a well at that time? When everybody else culturally pulled it out early morning before the sun rose. Possibly she was avoiding people for the shame and the guilt that she carried. So here she is carrying this shame, carrying this guilt. And in verse 39, Samaritans from that town had gotten word because she ran back. She left her jar, ran back to the town and started telling people about this Messiah. This man who told her business. And now, all of a sudden, she's testifying. Some of you haven't shared your testimony. You've been saved like seven years. Here, this woman, she was saved like seven minutes. And she was already running back to the town, telling people, I encountered Jesus. Listen, if you truly encounter Jesus, it's going to be hard for you not to share with someone. Well, Pastor Tony, I'm a real shy person. I get it. 
Me too. Okay, I'm not that shy, but I get it. I get it. To walk up to random people and things of that nature, for some of you it's not comfortable. But who said it has to be just random people all the time? How about someone in your workplace, someone at school? Something God did in your life. Why can she share about Jesus? Because God saw her, and for the first time in her life, she saw God back. She saw God again, or for the first time. He had been seeing her life, but Jesus spoke to her, and God saw her. Somebody say amen. Amen. She shared words, and people believed. Look at the verse 39. That's exactly what was happening here. Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what, what? The woman said. She became an instant evangelist. Why? Because she had a testimony. She had a testimony. Some people, they carry their guilt and their shame, and they're quicker to testify about their guilt, their shame, and all their wrongs. And when it comes to sharing Jesus, people get shy. Why are people more quicker to share their hang-ups than the one who hung up on a cross for them? Turn your hang-ups to the one who hung on the cross for you and for me. Turn your hang-ups to the one who laid it all on the line for you. So whatever your life was B.C., before Christ, before Corona, anything like that. It doesn't. See, all that is, it's done and gone. It's in your past. If, you've woke, if you woke up this morning, you have a chance to live life more abundantly. How many want to live life more abundantly? Listen, the way you do that, here it is. Secrets to life. Write this down. Write this down. The secrets to life. Are you ready? See God. See God. Choose to see God. Choose to look at his word and say, God, there's no way that I'm going to hang my guilt and my shame higher than I hang your praise and your glory. Choose to say, God, I know where I've been, but I know what you did. That's bigger than anything that I've done wrong. What he did on that cross is bigger than anything I have ever done, right or wrong. He says, I see you. I see your pain. I see your struggle. And he dealt with it at that moment. He, oh, listen, some of us go, I really, you know, I have a friend that really has been going through a hard time, but I'm afraid to tell her or I'm afraid to tell him because I might offend them. You know what love does? Love tells the truth. And if you know your friend is going through something, truth hurts, but truth delivers. Truth sets people free. And here Jesus could have been like, you know what? Can you imagine? The story would have been very different in John chapter 4 if Jesus would have like been sitting at the well. Because apparently the way that the, it reads out, it reads out that he was there and she showed up. That's the way I read it. You can have your own opinion. It doesn't say who showed up first, but it very clearly says that a woman had come to the well. 
And so whatever that looks like, can you imagine if it would have been, if we would have changed the story a little bit? If he would have said, if she would have said, uh, he said, would you give me a drink? And she says, wait, you're, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How could you ask me for a drink? And he would have said, yeah, you're right. My bad. And never interacted with her again. How many know that that story dramatically changes? Can you, that's not even biblical. Don't even say that I said, that's not what I'm saying happened, right? But what if that happened? Yeah, you're right. I don't want to offend her because, you know, she's had previous relationships and I don't want to expose her or out her in some way. I don't want her to be awesome. No, 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 no. He went right to the root of it and said, yeah, I know that you're not married. You have had five, you have had five and the one that you are with now is not even your husband. He exposed reality to her, but then offered her hope. Why? Because God sees you. He doesn't expose you to hurt you. He exposes you to heal you. And that's exactly what he did at that moment. Some of you think that God just wants to expose you to hurt you. That's not God, friend. That's the enemy. That's not God. God will never expose you just to hurt you. He'll expose you to heal you. Because the biggest obstacle course is your own belief system. I see you. I see you. Listen, there's a power in your life, and you need to realize what that is, and that's testimony. Are you an, are the type of person that carries a load of guilt and shame? I want to tell you right now, God wants to set you free from that. God saw her, and he didn't see her sin. He saw her carrying the sin, and he exposed to her her own self, her own heart, and he put her in a place where she would never be the same again. When's the last time you experienced God like that? I want to tell you right now that it can happen any day, every day, for the rest of your life. I see you, says the Lord, and I know you, and I've known you from the womb. Why? Because you are life. You are mine. Are you hearing me? You are mine, and I love you, and I died for you, God says. I see you. Say it with me. I see you. And his heart is that we will be willing to say, I see you back to him. I see you. So as a result of this woman's testimony, the Bible says that many believed. Watch this, number two, the power, watch this, this power in personal encounter. If you look at verse 40 and 41, watch this. I'm going to just give, can you give me a couple more minutes? Can I share these few points with you? Because these few points can change your life. Watch this. She had an encounter, a personal encounter with Jesus. Look at verse 40, 40 and 41. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. Her testimony drew hunger. Look at me. Her testimony made people hungry to know more, even if it might expose their sin. Because they realized 
that this exposure to sin brought joy and peace to this woman, maybe, even if it's something I don't want to hear, maybe I would be better for it. You with me? How many have ever experienced pain, but at the end you said, wow, I needed to go through that? We don't always know how that works, right? You go through pain, you're like, man, this stinks. Man, this is horrible. Man, this is that. I remember when I was in college, one of my biggest desires is I, want, I wanted to go out for the, uh, my college basketball team. I was really involved in basketball, really loved playing, and I wanted to go out for my team. And when I was about to go out for the team here, uh, that summer we went on Christmas break. And uh, when we returned, we were supposed to be, uh, you know, shortly thereafter going out for the team. The team uh, sign-ups were beginning. I went home and I decided to play a football game with my friends. And that's when uh, I made the wrong move. I shifted my leg a certain way and somebody hit me and tore my ACL in my knee. I tore my ACL. They didn't know it was that. Um, they thought it was just uh, uh, a hamstring tear. And so they said, wait a couple of weeks, you should be fine. They didn't take, they took an x-ray, no broken bones. So they said, you're all right. But they didn't take an MRI. You can't see that with an x-ray. So I waited a couple of weeks and later I found out it was an ACL tear. It was one of the most painful things I ever went through. And guess what? I had to go through uh, my knee getting reconstructed, reconstruction surgery. And then when I returned back to school, my dream of playing basketball was gone. Gone. And I said to myself, this is the one thing I wanted. And you know what I did a lot of times in my room, in my, in my college room? I sat there with tears streaming down my face saying, this is what I really wanted to do. The one thing I wanted to do in college, aside from study God's word and, and study for ministry, is I wanted to be a part of a traveling basketball team that went around and, and played. I really, I loved, I was, I was a guard, I was fast, I, I was a decent shooter. And all these things were in place. And I was trying to figure out. Why would this be stripped from me? I, I actually tried to go out after my surgery. I had gone through some uh, physical therapy, but it was too soon. And my body could not handle it. And I just couldn't. I couldn't go out. I had to stop. But it wasn't but a couple months later that I got accepted to be part of the drama team at the school. In which I got a chance to represent the school up and down the East Coast for the next two years of my life, a drama team. And that opened up great doors for me to be the evangelist that I was able to do. And the ministry opportunities that came from that. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how in, when I looked at it from that perspective, I lost becoming uh, one of those players on that team. But what happened at the end of it, when I look back, I go, wow, so many great things had taken place because... I was able to be on that drama team. I was able to do ministry in a, on a, in a capacity I would have never been able to do as a basketball player. So while my NBA dreams were slightly dashed, my dream of being a minister had only begun. And the rest is history. Got a chance to open up great doors, meet amazing people. And it opened up great things. Why? Because that I, had a, I had a personal encounter with Jesus, and that drove me to do some of the things I wanted to do. And even though one of those things I really wanted to do was taken from me, something better was put in its place. Something with kingdom value. And we don't always see it when we go through it. Hello? We don't always see it when we go through it. But Jesus knows. Amen? 
So let me share this with you. We look at Thomas. How many of you ever remember the, the disciple Thomas? He doubted, right? A lot of people are like, doubting Thomas. How would you like that put in front of your name? Because not a single person in the room that hasn't doubted at some point in their life. I think there's a lot of ways we can look at this and realize that when Jesus says, because you have seen me and you believe, blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. Did you know you're blessed this morning? Not just because you're here. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm blessed this morning. I woke up. I'm alive and I'm blessed. Yeah, I got to go to church today. I'm not talking about that. You believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you've never seen him with your own eyes. The Bible calls you blessed because you choose to believe even though you don't see with the natural eye. Can I tell you something? You can't see with your spiritual eyes today. And you can choose to say, God, you see me, but more importantly, I see you. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You see, receiving Christ is a personal thing. It's walking in promise and provision. You know, when you start to look at following Christ as a formula or a little prayer or a religious ritual, that's where you start to miss and God gets foggy. I don't want a foggy God. I want a real personal God. And here's my last point. Here's my last point. The power of personal confession. Have you identified Jesus in your life? See, because Romans tells us something interesting. Romans tells us that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. How does God reveal himself to you? Well, he reveals himself to you through his word and through his Holy Spirit. How many believe that to be true? He reveals himself through his word and through the Holy Spirit in those moments where you're sitting in service or sitting in your room or even sitting at your desk, your workstation, somewhere at work. Look at me. You're sitting at work and God can still meet you. I need you to hear that. God sees you. He sees you. Man, I really felt strongly there's some people that may have walked in here this morning and we prayed for you this morning some of you walked in this morning feeling like you you were walked over and then some of you feel like you were looked over walked over by something someone said about you and you caught wind of that can I tell you something you were not walked over and you are not looked over. God sees you right where you're at. And if you feel like everything that you have worked for is beginning to fall apart, can I tell you something? Nothing in this world is bigger than the God that we read about in God's word. You see, God says, I see you right where you are you don't have to you don't have to pretty yourself up you know someone coming someone's coming over to your house you get to get the house clean some of you manically must have everything perfect I must look appropriate I must get the right makeup on get the hair did 
did you know that when God shows up, no matter what that looks like, he still loves you? He still cares? And nothing else matters more than drawing his creation back to himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news. Look at me. I need you to hear this. Follow me, team. I need you to hear this and hear me closely. Nothing in this world draws more attention in your life by God than a heart that's surrendered to him. And when he says, I see you, he means it. He means it. So this morning, maybe you walked in here and you feel like your life is absolutely invisible. With, all, with my prayer team praying right now, you know who you are, all the prayer team. I need everyone to look at me for a moment. I need you to understand something. He has seen you. He has heard you. And he's ready to respond. He's ready to give you peace where there's, ne- where there's peace needed. He's ready to give you joy where there's joy needed. He's ready to give you grace where there's grace needed. He's ready to give forgiveness where there's forgiveness needed. And come on, somebody. Some of us need joy. Some of us need grace. In this world we live in, extra joy. Please, can I have two sides of extra joy, please? Uh, just two sides of extra joy. You can order double fries when you go to a restaurant. In God's kingdom, double side of joy, please. Because, man, no matter what is happening around me, everything seems like it's in chaos. We wonder why things are in chaos when we try to remove God from so many things. How about we start to realize that when we kept our eyes on him and we focused on God, things got better. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then, everybody say then. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm wondering if you can show that last slide. If many of you or some of you may be sitting at the well right now wondering, nobody sees me. Has anyone even spotted me yet? Because I feel so alone. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not alone. But if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe that's the answer you were looking for. You don't know it, but maybe that's what it is. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Everyone at home and everyone here in this room, just bow your heads with me for one moment and pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I see you. Thank you for seeing me. With my wrong with my sin, with my doubt, with my guilt, and all of the shame. You still love me, and you still see me. Thank you, Jesus. I accept Jesus as my Lord. I believe him to be my Savior, and that he died for me. I confess him as my Lord, and that he rose for me. 
Wash me clean. Let me walk with you. All the days of my life, I want to be seen by you. Amen. Stand all across this room. Nisa, come and share. We're going to close here in just a moment. Even this morning, when Tony was telling us about what he was preaching, it just opened, there's something so strong on what he's saying. It opened up my eyes to see. And I, I see a picture of us. And I, just close your eyes, just stay in a place of prayer. God, I'm asking that you would activate our eyes and our ears to see you, even to see ourselves. Lord, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, would have light to see. That each person in this room, in every seat, and online, at home, on the couch, God sees you. And God, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of their spirits, the eyes of their hearts, to see you, God. See, we have a body that's earthly and a soul that, that's connected to it, that feels real emotions, pain, experiences trauma. But we have a spirit that is eternal. For God knew you before the foundations of the world. He knew you. See, you are your spirit. That is where your identity comes from, your spirit. Yet we were, our spirits were breathed into these earthly tents. And some of us, you think of our tents, our bodies like a house. Your spirits got breathed into your house. And some of our houses were already a mess. <laughs> our families were a mess. We were born into trauma. We were born into so much sin. And we, these spirits that are eternal that knew God got breathed into this mess. <laughs> and then our spirits get freaked out and shut down. And so some of us, this picture I kept seeing, were the, your spirits, our spirits, underneath a demolition of just all this wreckage of life, wreckage from our family's houses, wreckage from our own houses, and we're buried under it, and we can't see anything but dark and the pain of all this wreckage. Yet Jesus is saying, I see you under there. Just rise up. Let me come. I feel like he, I keep seeing a bulldozer. Let him bulldoze away the wreckage, the pain. Let him bulldoze all the lies. Jesus, just come. 
not hours of deliverance. Jesus, I'm asking for your mercy. Lord Jesus, that you would bulldoze the lies of what people have thrown on us. This is who you are. This is who you're always going to be. That's not who you are. So Jesus, I pray for us to rise up under the wreckage to rise up to see you, that our eyes would see you. We'd come unburied, every soul here, come unburied from the lies, unburied from the pain, unburied from all the strongholds the enemy has tried to keep you trapped underneath. Lord, let our souls and spirits rise up so we can see you and see your love. Let our spirits be activated because Jesus, it's so easy once to just sit and there you are right here in front of me sitting at a table talking to me lovingly about myself and the way that I see people through my pain I can't see other people either Lord help us to see each other for who we are the spirits that we were created to be not the wreckage of our lives let us honor each other and forgive us God when we have not honored the one you created the people in our lives that you created forgive us for seeing them and and labeling them through our own brokenness and through their own putting them in that box that forever that's the way they stay but that's not that's not true Jesus, take away the wreckage. Bulldoze it, Jesus. Do what you do, Jesus. Let your spirit arise in us, God. Let us be led by your spirit. See with your spirit. reminded of something I remember seeing years ago when Nisa was just talking about it. I remember there was a time I saw this video clip of there had been an earthquake, a massive earthquake in a city. I don't remember what city it was. I think it was in the Midwest. This is live footage that they had. They had footage of this um, wreckage and people were just kind of walking around trying to find any survivors. And I remember how everything was kind of like they were just searching and searching and pretty calm until they heard something at a distance and they saw somebody's hand poke out. And I remember this video. I don't remember where it was from or what. I'm pretty sure it was Midwest somewhere where they saw somebody's hand kind of poke out and they were trying to get someone's attention because they were buried under the rubble. And their hand poked out. And people just stopped what they were doing at the moment. And they all ran to the hand. Because they knew below that hand was a life. And it was almost like, I see you. And they ran to that hand. Some of you, when Nisa was talking, you could relate your life in some way. It's wrecked in certain areas. But God is like, I see that hand. And he runs to you today to tell you, I see that hand. And I will get you out the rubble. 
And these workers were very careful when they got to, and they were pulling this heavy piece. And together, listen, people that never met each other before that day, they were working together to pull. That's exactly what the house of God is. It's exactly what the church, you want to know what the church looks like? A hand coming out of rubble and everybody going, I see that hand. Let's pray. And they go and they start pulling and carefully because we don't want to hurt nobody. We're not trying to hurt nobody. We're just trying to get you out of the rubble. And sometimes in moving this piece, that piece moves and, and that person may get a little hurt, but they got to get the rubble out. So if you've been hurt by someone at church or something as someone did, know that sometimes hurt comes from trying to help. And it's just part of the process. And know that God is just trying to get you out of that rubble. Because why? God says, I see you. I see you. And that's the love of God. I pray today that as you go through this day, as you go through this Sunday, that you would receive this word from heaven. Can I ask everyone to just lift their hands one more time and I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over you before you leave. Just lift up your hands if you feel comfortable doing so. If not, don't worry about it. But Father, I pray for every hand raised right now and every person in this room at the sound of my voice, everyone that can hear me, everyone that can see me, everyone that can, uh, is a part of this, I pray in Jesus' name, pull them out of the rubble as they lift their hands you say I see you I see you I see your hands lifted in praise in the rubble and I desire to set you free I love you my child be free in Jesus name everybody said